0: Uh, anybody follow Little League Baseball? I mean, I, I grew up playing Little League Baseball. I mean, it was just some, it was a big part of my life. And um, in Little League, when you get to this month, uh, the month of, of August, uh, they have what they call the Little League World Series. And it's where all the local Little Leagues, they put together all-star teams, and then they go and play um, other teams, and then you keep playing. As long as you win, you keep playing. And ultimately the goal is to get to Williamsport, Pennsylvania, where um, it's uh, internationally where everybody comes together and they have this Little League World Series. Well, um, there was an incident that occurred in the first inning of a game between the Southwest Region Championship, Texas East, and Oklahoma, um, to earn a spot to go to the Little League World Series. I don't know if you saw this or not, but I want to kind of tell you what happened. Um, with two outs and two men on, the Texas East pitcher, um, Caden Sheldon, he threw an 0-2 fastball um, that struck the Oklahoma batter, um, Isaiah Jarvis, in the head. Now, this is pretty serious, you know, you get hit in the head, and it was pretty serious. And the pitch knocked his helmet off, and he immediately fell to the ground, and he's clutching his head, and he's laying on the ground, and, and all of a sudden, you know, everybody comes out, they have a medical personnel, a medical personnel come up, and they take a look at him. They do all the protocols and all that kind of stuff. And Jarvis escaped injury. And he was able to eventually get up and then take first base because he got hit in the head. Well, meanwhile, Sheldon, the pitcher, he's, he's just standing on the mound. And you can tell this kid's visibly upset. Something's wrong. I mean, he's literally standing on the mound like this. Here's a picture of it. He's just standing on the mound. And the batter, who's on first base, he takes his helmet. He throws it off to the side. And he's just looking at the pitcher. And he recognizing that something's not right. So he leaves first base, he walks over to the pitcher, and he just stands in front of him and he hugs him. And this is what he said to him. He said, hey, you're doing great. Jarvis told the pitcher, let's go. Throw strikes, but you're doing great. That made national news as an incredible example of what sportsmanship really looks like. And not only that, I believe that was that a, if you've seen the video, it's, it's a beautiful picture beautiful picture of kindness, what kindness looks like. This morning, we're in a study of fructiferous living. It's a study of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. The Bible wants us to be people who are kind. We recognize because of who God is and what he's done for us, because we have been transformed on the inside by the Holy Spirit in our life, we have the capacity to act very, very differently. And that's what he's talking about here, that you and I want to have this characteristic this quality of kindness all about you. Let me read the text. And I want you to, re- to remember that, that Paul is writing this text to a, to a church in Galatia. And, and there's a lot of separation. There's a lot of faction. There's a lot of warring going on in the midst of it. They're biting and devouring one another. They be, they've actually twisted the gospel. they twisted the message of Jesus. And, and notice he gets ready to close this letter. Notice how he responds. He says this. But... Now, now, that's in contrast to all of the other things that he's listed, the sinful nature. Go back and read those in 19, verse 21. In contrast to the sinful nature and the way that we have a propensity to act, in contrast to that is life in the Spirit. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and its joy and its peace and its patience and its kindness and its goodness and its faithfulness and gentleness and its self-control. The fruit of the Spirit includes this characteristic, if you will, of kindness. And, and remember, the, the broader context of Galatians chapter 5 is what it means for you and I to live life in the Spirit. Verse 16 says this, live by the Spirit. In verse 18, it says, if you're led by the Spirit, so live by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. Verse 25, he closes this section. It says, live by the Spirit once again. And in verse 25, it says, keep in step With the spirit. In other words, you and I are challenged. You and I are given the responsibility to walk and live life in the Spirit, not any differently than who Jesus is and what He's come and what He's done for us in our life. In our text in Galatians chapter 5, the Greek word means this. It means considerate. It means tender concern. It means upright. It's not necessarily what we do. There's an aspect of kindness of of what we do. When we do something, when we have empathy toward another person and we do something for them, that, that's that's an act of kindness. But But that's not necessarily what he's referring to here. What he's talking about here is something that's happened on the inside of us. Because we've been transformed by the gospel, because we've been given a new heart and a new way to live, we are to exhibit, if you will, kindness. We've been transformed by God's grace and he wants us to be kind in our dispositions and our actions toward our family members, to that really, really difficult co-worker or maybe your neighbor or that person that comes alongside of you that's very, very difficult to be around. It's an aspect of our life where we're to be kind because God has been, God has been kind to me and he's been gracious to me and he's transformed my life. One man said this about Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. He describes kindness as the sympathetic... Kindliness or sweetness of temper, which puts others at their ease and shrinks from giving them pain. That's a picture of that picture going over to that man, that young man on the mound and standing in front of him and simply without any provocation of all, he just wraps his arms around him and says, listen, it's going to be okay. It's going to be good. And that's the kind of kindness that that God wants you and I to display. Why is that? Because he's radically changed us on the inside. And God has radically changed our life and he's been kind to us. Titus chapter three, verse four. Notice what the Bible says. This is written by Paul, a guy whose life was radically changed by the gospel. An enemy of God, a hater of Christians. His life was radically transformed as Gary mentioned on the road to Damascus. Titus chapter three, verse four says this. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, the kindness of uh, of the love of God and, and his kindness toward us, the, the, the appeared in the incarnation when, when Jesus came to earth in this wonderful way and he lived among us with peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and he lived among us in that wonderful, wonderful way. We are reminded of, of who God is and what he's done for us. That despite the disposition of my life, despite being an enemy of God, be, in spite of, of running for him, God says, listen, I've been kind to you. I've been loving to you. I've been gentle towards you. And that's the kind of kindness that that God wants to work through the Spirit of God inside of our life. And I think if we're honest, it is a little difficult for us to be kind. Let me just walk through a couple of reasons why I think in our day and age it's a little difficult to be kind. Number one is because we're busy people. We're busy, but we got things to do. we got agendas. So when something comes up, or there's a situation maybe with your co-worker, or maybe there's a guy on the side of the road, or something else, it's really hard to break out of our busy schedules and busy lives and do something. We don't want to be inconvenienced. We look at our watch. We're running on a time schedule. We can't do that. I just don't have time to do that. We're busy people, and I don't want to be inconvenienced to be kind to another person. What about this? Sometimes we just don't care. I think sometimes our hearts get so callous and we've grown cold because of the circumstances of life, that we just kind of become, you know what? I just really don't care anymore. I'm going to go about my life. I'm going to do my things. I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to worry about myself. But I'm not going to worry about all of these other people. You know, I I wonder if this COVID virus has given us a a medical reason for us not to be open and kind to other people. Because now we have an excuse to kind of separate ourselves. Well, I I don't want to get involved with other people because of, What might happen in our life? And I think we just grow cold and callous to other people. What about people who are not like you? What about people who are not like you? Think about where we're at in our culture today. Politically, us versus them. Morally, it's personal choice and freedom versus personal responsibility. Socially, it has the idea, if I don't embrace what this other person wants me to do, or if I don't bra- embrace their lifestyle, if I don't embrace the way that they think, if I don't accept their behavior, what ha- well, we're just going to separate, or we're going we're to pull away from you, or we're not going to embrace the relationship anymore. We're just going to pull away. What about economically, where the haves and the have-nots? When we see all of those things going on in our culture, it's really easy for me to have a hard heart. Why would I want to get involved in all those things? The Bible says this, when Paul writing to Timothy, it says, in in the latter days, people's love is going to grow cold. That's what's going to happen. It says that they're going to be lovers of themselves. That's probably characteristics of where we see ourselves. It's all about me. It's all about my life. And I, I don't want to be kind and loving to other people. And sometimes I think we're just separating ourselves, maybe unkind, because what's in it for me? I mean, is this really going to do Is my little one act of kindness really going to do something? Is it really going to help another person? Is it going to be a big deal? No, it's not. So in our minds and in our hearts, we think, ah, I don't need to do anything. I don't need to respond. The Bible says this, that because God has radically changed our lives, he wants us to be imitators of God. We we love other people and we're kind to other people because of what God has done for us. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, notice what Paul writes. He's, He's writing to people who are worrying probably about some theological issues in the church. And this is what he says. He says, be imitators of God. There is no higher standard. Be mimic, mimic God. Clint, mimic God and who he is and what he's done for you. Be imitators of God as what? Dearly loved children. You have been radically changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are now my son. You are now my daughter. Because of that relationship, we live in this world really, really differently. And what does he say? Live a life of love. Just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I i am to love other people in a sacrificial way. Why? Because Christ has radically changed my life. He's loved me. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while I was yet a sinner, he loved me and gave himself up for me. So this morning, what I want to do in our fructiferous living, bearing fruit through the uh, the, the characteristics of the uh, fruit of the Spirit, I, I want to just walk through a couple of principles of this idea of kindness. Three real quick principles. Number one is this. Kindness is, is it reflects the heart of God. That's why we want to do this. Kindness gives us an opportunity to display the, the blessings that God has given to us. I and mean, we get to share with others what God has done for us. And the last thing I want to leave you with is this. Kindness is incredibly powerful. It's incredibly powerful. Think about that, that young boy. Think about that illustration. That act by that young boy literally went all over the world because of what he did. Standing there looking, knowing that he needed to respond. This young boy basically in tears, standing on the mountain, he needed to respond. And it's incredibly powerful. You never know what one small act of kindness will do. And that's what I want to do this morning. God's word is good. God's word is deep. And God's word is fun. So let's take some time to look at it. Kindness, number one, reflects the very heart of God. Kindness reflects the very heart of the triune God. When you look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament, it reminds you that God is the Creator God. And, and over and over in the Bible, God is the Creator God. He's described as being kind to His people, Jeremiah the prophet, the weeping prophet, writing to people who are exiled, writing to people who are waiting on God. He said this in Jeremiah chapter nine verse 23. Notice how God is described here. This is what the Lord says. If you want to know about the Lord, you want to know about his character, notice what he says and how he reveals himself. He says, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts, boasts about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness and justice and righteousness on the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. God delights in displaying his kindness. God delights in sharing his justice with us. God delights in sharing with his creation the wonderful aspects of who he is and being kind to us. And because God has been kind to us, hopefully what we want to do is we want to be kind people to those who are indifferent to the Lord. David? A man who experienced firsthand God's kindness through his rebellion, through his sin, writes these things in Psalm chapter 145. He says this, a reflection of God, a reflection of the kindness of God. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, and he's slow to anger, and he's rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He is compassionate on all he was made. David provides us with a wonderful example of who God is and what he's done to us. That God is good, God is compassionate, God is kind to all. That's the God of the Old Testament revealing himself. But when you come to the New Testament, it's the same. God continually reveals himself to his people in a kind way. When you look out and see creation, do you see, when you look out and see the invisible attributes of God, the sun, moon, do you see the kindness of God? Do you see the grace of God in Paul uses the kindness of God in Acts chapter 14 as a witness, as a testimony to the wonder and the beauty of God. He pulls these people and he says, listen, look at the created order and see the kindness and the wonder and the beauty of God. Acts chapter 14, verse 17, notice what Paul says. He says, yet he has not left himself without testimony. How has God been a testimony? He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven crops in the seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. The rain, the sun, the seasons are geared to fill your hearts with joy because of God's wonderful provision in our lives. And do you see that? Do you see that in the beauty of who God is and what he's done for us? Yesterday, I had a chance, as I mentioned, to to ride down to um, Bourbon, Missouri, where they're having this camp. And as I passed by, I didn't go the highways. I went the I want the longer route, and as I go through the cornfields, and I go through all these vegetable fields, I see the wonder, the beauty of who God is, and what he's providing for his people. God, in a, in a wonderful, wonderful way, provides for us the rain, the sun, the crops that we have. Do we think of the kindness of God in that way or not? And because God is kind, and because the Holy Spirit of God desires to work kindness of our lives, we are to be like Jesus or to be like him. We're to reflect his character. Be imitators of God. That's what he says. And and, and Jesus, in his teaching, in his ethical teaching, reminds us that we're to reflect the very character of God, even when it doesn't feel good, and even when it's difficult, and even when it's challenging. Luke chapter 6, verse 35, he's speaking to his people. He's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to others. Notice what he writes. But love your enemies and do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. And notice what He says. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. He talks about enemies. He talks about giving. He's talking about doing something for our enemies. Why? Because God has been merciful to us. What we want to do is we want to reflect the very nature and the character of God and we want to be merciful to other people. God has come to us in the unique person of Jesus. And he goes to the cross and offers himself as a sacrifice for my sin and your sin. And what we are to do is we're to reflect the very nature and character of God. Do we want to live that way? Do we choose to live that way? There's an interesting teaching in Luke chapter 10. It's called the Good Samaritan. And I think there's some principles from Luke chapter 10 that we can learn about kindness and the response that we're to have to other people. The Good Samaritan is the uh, expert in the law, comes to Jesus, and he says, "Uh, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the context of all of this. Well, the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, he asks the question, well, okay, then who is my neighbor? And what Jesus does, Jesus goes and he tells him the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan is ultimately about this. That's about a guy. He's going from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he's traveling along the way. And as he's traveling along, he's beaten. And he's left to die on the side of the road. And a priest and a Levite and a Good Samaritan come by. And they all have different reactions on what to do. And I think if we look at this parable, if we look at Jesus' teaching, we can draw some principles about kindness and how it confronts our lives when we're when things are unexpected. Let me just draw out four principles. Number one, kindness is spontaneous. In Luke chapter 10, verse 33, it says this, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. This guy was just going about his business. He's going from Jerusalem. He's going down to Jericho. I've got business to do. I've got some things to do. I'm on an agenda here. And as he traveled, as you go about life, something happens and a situation is presented before you. How am I going to respond? A lot of times, spontaneous things pop in our life. How do we respond? The Levite walks away. The priest walks away to the other side. The Samaritan responds. I I think a second principle of kindness is this. It's compassionate. Luke chapter 10, verse 33 says this. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil on water. He, He took pity on him. In other words... That, that as he saw this man laying in the road, something happened inside of him in his bowels, in his soul and emotions. He realized that he needed to do something. As that young pitcher is standing on first base, he's, he's staring at the, the batter. As he's standing on first base, as he looks at the pitcher, he's, he's just looking at him. I watched the video. He's looking at him. And I didn't see anybody else go out to the pitcher. And, and, and the boy, because of something deep going down inside of him, he goes out and responds and he just gives him a hug. See, kindness is compassionate. A third principle I think is here, it's disruptive. Nobody wants our lives to be disruptive, right? Look at verse 34. It says this, then he put the man on his own doggy and he took him to the inn and he took care of him. It's just, he didn't just leave the man in the middle of the road. He didn't say, well, I'm going to pour oil and wine on him and I'm going to put some bandages on him and I'm going to go because I have an agenda. It says this, he put him on his donkey, which means he was probably traveling with a donkey, which means now the donkey is, is carrying the man. He's going to have to walk. He's going to have to go to the end. And by the way, what does he do? He spends the night with the man and takes care of the man. Why? Because kindness is disruptive to our lives. And the last principle is this, kindness is costly. Luke Chin, verse 35 says, the next day he took care of him that night. The next day he took out two silver coins and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense. He, he paid the money out of his own pocket to take care of him, and then he said, okay, by the way, here's five bucks, and, and if there's any more money that's needed, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to come back here. You take care of him, but use this money to, t- to take care of this man. And, and what Jesus does When the man, when the expert in the law asks the question about being a neighbor, who my neighbor, he takes him to this parable of the Good Samaritan and says, by the way, are you willing to reorient your life in a kind way toward other people? And Jesus draws this parable to conclusion in Luke chapter 10, verse 36. And notice what he says to the expert in the law. Speaking to the heart of the matter, he says this. Which of these three do you think was neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers?" The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. See what Jesus did? He used a hated Samaritan, a Samaritan who was hated on the outside of the boundaries, on the outside of the fence. He uses the example of a hated Samaritan to confront the disciples, to confront the people, and to confront us about what it means to show mercy. Am I willing to show that kind of mercy to people who might disrupt my life Am I willing to be kind to those kinds of people that aren't necessarily like me all of the time? When you look at the life of Jesus, you can go back and look at the Gospels and how many times did Jesus reorient his agenda because of people like Zacchaeus and a leper and a Samaritan woman? How many times did he reorient his life to extend kindness to another person? Jesus' life was full of interruptions. He didn't have a day timer He didn't plan his day out like this. Jesus is walking over here, and somebody's asking him a question over here. And by the way, can you come over here and heal my my servant? His whole life is one giant interruption. And in the midst of that, he's offering kindness in the heart of a Savior who loves us. And now he says, be merciful, because I've been merciful to you. Most of us are familiar with the the song, um, Amazing Grace. We're familiar with the lyrics. It was written by a guy by the name of John Newton. Well, we also wrote these lyrics, and it's, it's called, Is This Thy Kindness to Thy Friend? And, and let me just read them. I'm going to put them on the screen. Let me just read them to you. It says this. He ransomed me from hell with blood, and by his power my foes controlled. He found me wandering far from God and brought me to his chosen fold. He cheers my heart, my wants supplies, and says that I shall shortly be enthroned with him above the skies. Oh, what a friend is Christ to me. When Christ has radically changed our lives because he's forgiven us for our sin, he's gone to the cross and he's removed all of our sin, we have an entirely different disposition. We recognize what he's done for us and what we want to do is hopefully, what we want to do is live out, imitate God and live that kindness to other people. Mark Twain said this, kindness is a language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Kindness ultimately reflects the heart of God. And God wants you and I to reflect that same type of kindness as we imitate. Second point I want to draw out is this, kindness is an opportunity to pass on God's blessing. If we have been transformed by the grace of God, if we have radically transformed, our hearts have been changed, then what we hopefully want to do is by imitating God, mimicking God, what we want to do is we want to share that kindness with other people. And I think when you, when you look at the Bible, there's a great example of David showing kindness to Jonathan's family. As you recall in 2 Samuel, David and Jonathan are just, they're the best of friends. They love each other, they care for each other, and they want to help each other. And they make this pact, they make this covenant that if David dies or Jonathan dies, no matter what happens, what we're going to do is we're going to make sure that we take care of the other person's family. And you know that Jonathan was killed alongside of Saul and David grieved the loss, not, of, not only of Jonathan, but also of Saul. And as David looked at his life and he looked at what was going on and he looked at the family of Saul, he began to ask and inquire, is there, is there some way that I can live out this covenant that I made with Jonathan? Is there some way that I can be kind to him? And in 2 Samuel chapter 9, we have an example of what, of what David does to show kindness to Jonathan's family. Let me just read the text. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They called him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba, your servant? He replied. The king asked, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show, notice what he says, God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There's still a son of Jonathan. He's crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is the house of Makir son of Emil in Lodabar. By the way, he's living out in the desert. He's living way out. He's living so far separated that he doesn't even want to be remembered by anyone else. Verse five goes on. So King David had him brought from Lodabar from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. when Meshibapheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to him to pay honor. David said, Meshibapheth, your servant, he replied, don't be afraid. David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And notice what he does. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? He's living in Lodavar. He's living in this desert area. He's living away. Somebody has to take care of him. He recognizes and says, what, what, Why would you even care for a dead dog like me? I have nothing to offer. And what David says is just listen, God has been kind to me. I made this covenant with Jonathan. I said, I'm going to take care of him, and I'm going to take care of his family. And now I'm simply inquiring, is there some way that I can restore to you the fortune that you had? Is there some way that I can be kind to you? Is there some way that I can respond in a wonderful, wonderful way? Because God has given me blessings, and I simply want to turn and share these blessings with you. I have a responsibility, I believe, to the family because I made this covenant with with Jonathan, if you will. So, so, what do we make of this story? I wonder if there's a couple of things. First of all, is this David had great success. He had incredible success everywhere he went. He had success, but he made a covenant with Jonathan, and he wants to make that right. So, what is he works hard to go back and look at the family. And, and what he wants to do is he simply wants to do one thing. He says, "Listen, I, I want to pass on the blessings. God has been a blessing to me, and what I want to do is I want to I want to share that blessing with other people. And so he's going to restore the land." And not only is he going to restore the land, he's going to say, listen, you are to sit at my table and you're to eat at my table and I'm going to take care of you Why? because God has been a blessing to me. Let, let me ask you something. Do you, feel, do you feel generous with the blessings that God has given to you? Do you feel that you want to extend those blessings to other people in a kind and wonderful way? You know, we hang on to our time, we hang on to our talents, we hang on to our treasures and we kind of guard those things because we're stewards of them. But, but is there opportunities as we go about life to be kind and share those things with other people that maybe not have them? I, I'm wondering if that's one of the principles here. Because, because God has been kind to me. God has been kind to us. What we want to do is we want to be kind to other people. You know, I, I meet with a bunch of guys, and, and we meet on Thursday mornings. And we've been doing this for years, our motorcycle buddies. And we meet for breakfast. And we normally go to one or two places. And what we try and do, because we meet at the same place every Thursday morning, when we get the bill, we're not looking at the bill and going, okay, what is 15%? What is 20%? What we're looking at collectively is we're looking at how can we bless this person? How can we bless this waiter, this waitress, who's been so good to us, who's been so kind to us? How can we share the blessing that we have? How can we share that with another person? Partly because we want to be a testimony to her about who we are and what we represent. In who Jesus is and what he's done for us in our life. And and what we want to do is we want to be hilariously kind, hilariously good, and hilariously generous, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to hold on to our stuff. And because God has been good to us, God has blessed us, do you and I have the privilege to want to pass on those blessings to other people? Because you never know how that simple act of kindness and goodness to another person can radically change them. A man by the name of Lee Stobel, he wrote a book called The Unexpected Adventure. And in the book, he gives an illustration, and I think it applies here. So he says this, and maybe you can identify with this act. He I remember flying into Midway Airport in Chicago during a blizzard. An engineer from India was sitting next to me, and as we talked, I found he was planning to take a bus all the way from a hair airport and then have his pregnant wife drive from a, a distant suburb with his two young children to pick him up. He said, look, he says, I have a car in Midway. How about I give you a lift home? He was grateful, and during our drive, he asked why I had been willing to go out of my way for him, and I tried to explain. Has anybody ever done something so kind to you that it makes you want to pass that kindness along to someone else? Guy nodded. Well, Jesus Christ has done something incredibly kind for me as we talked, I, be, I began to understand that it was God's outpouring of grace in my life that had motivated me to help him. And I wanted him to know because of what Christ has done in my life, because of him transforming me on the inside, what I wanted to do is my disposition has changed and I wanted to be kind. See, you and I have experienced the blessings of God and what we hopefully want to do is we want to pass and turn on those blessings on other people. And it could be as simple as a guy sitting next to you in a car. I mean, this is not a big deal. But because of the interaction with this gentleman, he was able to tell them and model what a life of faith looks like. And why did I choose to do this? Because of something that God has done in my life. You see kindness? see the beauty of kindness that reflects the very character of God? Last thing is this. Kindness is an incredible, incredible act of God's grace because of how he's changed us on the inside. Amelia Earhart said this. We all know who she is. A single act of kindness throws out roots in all directions and the roots spring up and make new trees. Aesop said this, no act of kindness, however small, is ever wasted. God allows us to be kind to people maybe on a daily, weekly basis And those simple, small acts of kindness. We never know how those can radically impact another person. We have no idea what's going on in the heart and mind and soul of that person and how God may use a simple act of kindness to reflect the nature and the character of who He is and what He's done for us. In the passage that we looked at earlier in Luke chapter 6, Jesus was teaching us, and let me just read the text again. I'm going to put it on the screen. Notice what it says. It says this about being kind to your enemies. It says, then your reward will be great because he is kind to the ungrateful, and wicked be merciful just as your father is merciful kindness is a responsibility that you and i have to be merciful to other people even to our enemies and that reflects something that's a change on the inside because on the outside we can't do that on our own strength the only way that we can do that is if christ has grabbed a hold of us on the inside and through the power of the holy spirit he changes and allowed us to love and be kind and generous to that person and Paul got it because he knew how radical his life had been changed. And when your life has radically been changed, you have a tendency to live out that change to other people. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. Notice what Paul writes about his own life. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me the worst of sinners... Christ might display his unlimited patience as an example of those who would believe on him and receive for eternal life. Paul's saying, look at what Christ has done in my life. Look at how Christ has been patient to me. Look at how he's radically changed and altered the inside of my life, the internal components of my life. See how he's changed me on the inside and because of what he's done on the inside, I now am a light and a testimony to other people of his grace. God has been kind to me and I want to live out that kindness to my family members, to my friends, to maybe my enemies and to those who are really, really difficult to live. Paul wrote the, the, the example of what that looks like and, and how God can use kindness in, in the, the lives of other people. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, and God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. My position is not necessarily in this. My position is is that I am seated in the heavenly with Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That phrase he might show has the idea and means to prove or to demonstrate something. In other words, because of my faith and my trust in Jesus, because of the way that He's changed my life, now I become a testimony of God's grace and mercy and love toward other people. Why? Because I'm living that out toward other people, and God does that work of change inside of our hearts. I want to close with one last illustration, and uh, it's about how a simple act of kindness can radically change another person. It's it's in a book, and uh, here's the illustration. Um, the guy says this, it's amazing what a difference the little things will make. For example, years ago, I was a new believer and I always wore a tiny cross pin on my shirts because they were an inexpensive way to witness. I would purchased a dozen or so of them at a time and every time someone commented on mine, I'd give it to them as a gift. Once I was in a 7-Eleven convenience store, the female clerk complimented my cross pin. Instinctively, I offered to give it to her. For several moments, she tried to refuse it. Finally, reluctantly, uh, she accepted the small gift. Years went by, and I'd almost forgotten about the 7-11 woman. And then one day at church, a woman stopped in the lobby, and she said she had to thank me. Trembling as she spoke, she explained, you probably don't remember me, but years ago, you gave me this. She reached in her purse and pulled out the small cross pin. When you offered me this cross, my life couldn't have been any worse. I didn't feel worthy of such a generous gift, but God showed me that he still loved me. My life is different today because of what you did for me. And this is his conclusion. What I did was almost nothing, but to someone else it meant almost everything. Listen, I say that to remind us that God has changed us on the inside, and we can be kind to other people. You can be kind to that family member. You can be kind to that neighbor. You be kind to that other person. And you and I never know what that small little act of kindness will look like in their life. And it's a simple way to live out our life, isn't it? Isn't it simple? To be kind, to be generous, to be merciful. All those things that God has done for us, we simply live out because He's changed us on the inside. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness because of what God has done for us. Father, I just thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for the kindness of Jesus. Father, I thank you for what he's done in my life. God, I'm sure that almost every one of us in this room can look back to what our life looked like before Christ and realize that we were just on a path like the Apostle Paul to destruction. We were running. Father, we were living in a way that was not good and not helpful. And Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you transformed our lives. You opened our minds and our heights to the light of the glory of the gospel, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that truth confronted our lives and causes us to change. Father, thank you that you've given us a heart of grace and a heart of mercy. You've replaced that heart of stone with the Spirit of God, and we thank you for that. Father, I pray that this day, this week, You would allow us to be kind and gentle and loving to other people. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.